0: Hey, and welcome to The Token Daily. I'm your host, Suna Amaz. Each week, we sit down with movers and shakers in crypto to discuss big ideas, both in crypto and outside of it. Everything from trends we're seeing in the space to the books we're reading lately. This podcast is presented by the folks over at Blockworks Group, a blockchain event and media production company. For exclusive content and events that provide insights into the crypto and blockchain space, Visit them at blockworksgroup.io. Today, we chat with Jing Wang, Executive Director of the Plasma Group, about generalized plasma,
1: the state of ETH 2.0, and her book rec, The Cathedral and the Bazaar. Hey, Jing. Thanks for being on the show today. Hey, thanks for having me. Of course. Um, today, Jing, you're executive director of the Plasma Group, but before joining Plasma Group, you had a few other gigs in the space, and I was curious if you give our leader- readers a little taste of what you were up to.
2: Yeah, um, I've been bopping around for a while. I got my start at the MIT and Wellesley Bitcoin Clubs, um, and had a startup uh, that you know didn't go super well. It was a little early for trade finance. Um held brief stints at Zcash, Sia, and right before Plasma Group, I was helping out with Handshake, which is a decentralized naming project.
1: Wow, you have such a wealth of knowledge, and I think you come from so many different crypto projects. It's interesting to see, usually people are more tribalistic, but you've kind of had your fair share of different types of projects, right? Like uh, Sia, Zcash, um, and now uh, more than the Plasma slash uh, Ethereum community at large. I think what you do a great job of is creating literature that makes things digestible for people. And this recent Medium post you had uh, about Plasma, what is Plasma and what is Plasma Cash, I found incredibly useful. When people are describing Plasma, I think a common analogy that's given to help the mainstream understand it is it's like lightning, but for Ethereum. And the point there being, it's a scaling solution that part of the Ethereum community wants to see pushed out and into the wild. I, I think it may be more nuanced than that, and your Medium post outlines that. I was curious if you go through why that may not be the best metaphor and, and how you would explain Plasma to the layperson.
2: Yeah, so I wouldn't say that Plasma is uh, like lightning. Um, I think the main similarity there is that there's simply Layer 2 solutions. Uh, the project in Ethereum that is analogous to Lightning is Raiden. Um, it's more comparable; it's payment channels, and it runs a lot like Lightning. Um, Plasma is a you know layer two solution, but um, I think I would liken it more to like a professor grading papers. Um, if the professor is a main chain and he has to grade like a hundred thousand papers. Um, he's going to delegate this work to his TAs. And the TAs don't, you know, report every single answer to every question that the students have back to the professor. They simply condense all of that information into a grade. And the professor, all he really needs to know or she really needs to know is the grades. Does that make sense?
1: Absolutely. So in this instance, the th- papers that are being graded or like the blocks, right? And so you're verifying, Yeah. These side the, these side chain transactions that are occurring, and then kind of um, taking them in bulk, validating, and then uh, call, announcing them to the block uh, to, to the main chain. Is that correct?
2: Yeah. So the um, these papers, the student exams, would be like the transactions, and the TA, you know, compiles all these transactions together um, and gives a grade, which is like um, a block commitment. And submits it to the professor who's the main chain.
1: There are different flavors of plasma. Can you can you break down what that means exactly?
2: Yeah, so if anyone is uh, remotely familiar with plasma research, they know that there are a lot of plasma variants out there. Plasma MVP, plasma cash, plasma debit, plasma cash flow, plasma prime, whatever. And um, we realized, uh, so our team built a variant of Plasma Cash called Plasma Cash Flow um, for our testnet.
1: And just step back, Jane. What is Plasma Cash?
2: Um, Plasma Cash is just, you know, another variant of Plasma. Um, each of these Plasma flavors has a different type of transaction format, and these transaction formats are hard coded into the core Plasma contract. Um, so one of the big problems that plasma implement, uh, plasma implementations have is that if they want to upgrade their contract, they have to spin up a completely new contract regardless of what flavor they are mm-hmm. and to migrate all of their users from the old contract into the new contract. Um, we thought this was like, you know, prohibitively difficult uh, for users to actually use plasma. So we worked on developing something more modular, more composable, and upgradable, um, and we re- released that earlier this month. And we're calling it Generalized Plasma. Um, it's a single plasma contract that can deploy any plasma implementation, and has um, a more generalized uh, ability to how how would it, how would I say this more generalized state transitions.
1: Uh, and so. Before though, if I was the average user and I was trying to use Plasma, what did it mean for me to have to be migrated to an entirely new contract? What was I seeing on my screen or what would I have to do?
2: Um, It hasn't happened yet. So there's like a a number of ways that you could design for that. Um, I'm not sure what the best way to design for it, but generally my assumption is that, you know, it would suck and you would have to withdraw your funds and then redeposit your funds in a new contract.
1: Uh, got it. All right, so it was more of like withdrawing and then inputting. Um, so it's additional, not only I think, uh, time, but I think also money, right? Because you're paying for uh fees as you're doing this, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Um, awesome. So generalized plasma is something we should be looking out for.
2: Um, I think so, but I'm biased.
1: And <laughs> <laughs> it's and it's still in the research phase, and, and we'll talk about the actual status of your eyes research right now. But before we get there, I wanted to talk about where the Ethereum community is at right now, because we're seeing on the one hand uh, this, you know, post Ethereum one world where we have the Serenity debates, the Prague POW debates. And I'm curious what one are, is anyone working on plasma outside of plasma group and loom um, as we're trying to push out these different variants of Ethereum and these different um, algos? What does, what does, the actual resources allocated to plasma um, worker-wise? Like who's the team that's working on plasma right now?
2: Right. So at Loom, it's uh, the plasma work is done predominantly by Georgios Constantopoulos. I think that's how you say his last name. Mm-hmm. Um, there are uh, a lot of other separate groups also working on plasma. Um, Barry Whitehat is working on Roll Up Roll Back, which is a uh, plasma chain with zero-knowledge proofs. Um, there are also teams like The Matter, um, Kilkin, LeapDow, Fourth State. Um, there's a lot out there. Oh, of course, Omise Go. Um, so there's, you know, no shortage of interest in plasma. And I'd say over the past year, plasma research has, you know, taken off considerably.
1: Wow. And how do you guys think about... Ethereum 1.x, like if ProgPow ends up being finalized, if Serenity ends up being pushed, how does this affect Plasma and how do you see it interacting with uh, these different algorithms?
2: Uh, so the beauty of Plasma, um, at least under the generalized Plasma framework, is that Plasma is just a, a data layer and it takes any arbitrary data and simply commits it to a root, ch- root chain. Um, in this case, the root chain is Ethereum, but all the Plasma layer is doing is submitting a commitment. And so it doesn't really matter in most cases what this root chain looks like. So regardless of whether it's Ethereum as it exists today or Ethereum 2.0 with sharding, um, Plasma will still more or less work exactly the same as it does now, um, which
1: is dope. Um, so there isn't any introduction of like a security risk or threat by changing the root chain?
2: Um, so the security threats to Plasma are primarily security threats to Ethereum itself. Because Plasma chains are non-custodial, um, there aren't really that many ways to attack the you know Plasma contract itself. Um, there are some more nuanced attacks, like censorship from the operator, but in that case, the user would simply exit their funds and redeposit onto a different Plasma chain. Um, with regards to ProgPow... Um, I'm like hesitant to dip into that. I personally think it's maybe a little bit of a bike shedding issue at this point. Um,
1: and what do you mean mm-hmm. by that? Can, can you. Uh, a bike shedding
2: as in, like, you know, a trivial technical issue that a lot of time is being spent on in meetings, debates, and discussions.
1: So you don't see uh, the ASIC threat being. You think that part is being. is trivial? Because as we understand it, it's just to have. Um, like an ASIC mining threat reduced?
2: The goal is to create, ProgPow stands for programmatic proof of work, and the goal is to um, create ASIC resistance. However, I think that the debate around ProgPow is more of a debate on process uh, within Ethereum governance and how new changes are introduced to the base layer rather than the um, you know strength of ProgPow itself. It's just you know it it could be in my opinion it could be replaced with any other bike shedding issue or any other problem, Uh, but the core debate is governance process.
1: Got it. And uh, before we go specifically into you know plasma exit or uh, ZK snarks and a bunch of these more minute specific issues, I wanted to ask you generally what's the status of plasma research look like right now? What does the state of your plasma research team um, look like?
2: Yeah, so um, we just released a week ago our uh, generalized Plasma spec. Um, So it's a complete technical spec, and you can take a look at all of the components that we're building uh, in our operator, our client, our contract. Um, Next on our roadmap is to actually implement it and build a secure, auditable, production-quality payments system that people can use and use our generalized plasma framework with it.
1: What's the timeline for the second part? So when you guys are getting to auditing, um, what what timeline are we looking at?
2: What is time, Suna? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Asking the big questions, Jing.
2: All I can really say is that um, we launched Plasma Group in January. We released our testnet January 31st. Um, we implemented... Uh, Lightning contracts in our plasma contract in February, and in March we released generalized plasma. So uh, this is definitely a team that is dedicated to working hard, shipping quickly, and providing quality documentation, tooling, and code. But um, you know, putting times out there is like cursing your project, so I can't do that. Right.
1: Right. Whatever whatever you put on, expect to expect it to be a little bit later. I mean, as with all um, any development project, um, it, it, going back to uh, the actual research and what you guys are specifically working on, you mentioned there are a few members working on ZKPs, and and I remember earlier there had been a few ideas around um, designing plasma protocols with ZK snarks supported. So, what does the state of that look like? And secondly, um, is that necessary for you guys to be focusing on right now? If it's a scaling solution, not necessarily a privacy solution.
2: Yeah. So, um, as I, I'm not super up to date with the ZK snark research with plasma, but as I understand it, um, the main teams working on it are Barry Whitehat and his team. They're super dope, incredibly sharp, um, as well as matter Inc. And it has a data availability game, which reduces the threat of unavailable operators which means that there are fewer risks of your funds getting stolen. You can exit the plasma chain in one Ethereum block, um, which is one of the other questions you were um, asking about exit times. Uh, The downside with ZKP research, um, as we discussed earlier, is that they take a long time to generate and the tooling is quite lacking. Um, So we're just trying to make our architecture as modular as possible to prepare for ZKPs. As we calculate it now, it doesn't seem like, um, with plasma cash flow at least, it doesn't seem like we'll need to worry about that unless people are transacting very frequently on the plasma chain for about a year.
1: And why does the frequency matter here?
2: Um, So the frequency for plasma cash flow matters because users only download the coins that they own. And the more times that a coin has been transacted, the larger the history of that coin is. So if the coin is transacted very frequently for a long period of time, um, you know, then you just have more shit to download.
1: Going back to plasma, the plasma exit. So one big question around plasma exit was uh, just a rejection in time that it would take for somebody to be able to leave the plasma side chain. And I was curious... Um, what, what the progress on the plasma exit front has been.
2: Most plasma implementations or operators or various chains can choose how long they want the exit to be. Uh, in our case, it'll probably be something between three to 10 days. However, there are also um, there's also a mechanism called economic fast exits where you um, use a predicate contract, which is one of the composable contracts within generalized plasma, to swap a uh, main chain ETH for plasma ETH mm. um, so you pay a fee and somebody who wants uh, you know to be on the plasma chain um, gives you ETH and you give them your PEETH position.
1: Got it and um, so, so two questions one uh, and what is going on in that three to ten day time span that somebody is attempting to exit what's going on on uh, the plasma side?
2: Uh, you are allowing people to challenge your exit and you're allowing time for dispute resolution in the case of a challenge. And what does that process look like? Um, So if I had five plasma ETH on the plasma chain, and you are a malicious adversary, and you try to claim that those coins are yours, and you exit my coins, then since I download the history uh, of all of the coins that I own, uh, if you try to exit my coins, I'll see that you're trying to exit my coins, and within this exit period, I can submit a challenge to you with proof that I own the coins and that you don't. Um, in this case, if uh, you know if I'm correct, then you will lose uh, a bond that you put up when you initiate the exit.
1: And I guess this assumes that one you're always observing all the transactions to make sure your coins aren't being taken or how does that, are you getting an alert system or notification system, or do you expect everybody to be observing these transactions? How does a person know to challenge if their coins are being taken or claimed as their, as someone else's?
2: Yeah, so this is, um, this is a problem with Plasma, as it is with Lightning and many other Layer 2 solutions as well. There's a liveness requirement um, where you have to be online to monitor your coins. So that is a benefit of Plasma cash flow. You don't have to monitor all the coins in existence. You just have to monitor your own. Um, Will Villanueva from Consensus and his team built a great watchtower implementation at ETH Denver that emails you a notification when someone's trying to jack your coins.
1: Oh, wow. And my other question is, this assumes that the person validating um, or the person actually uh, weighing the dispute is an honest actor, but what do you do in the case of the operator being malicious or going rogue? Malicious or rogue in what way? Has... One, the person trying to exit, claiming somebody else's coins, and then it being verified anyway.
2: So the plasma contract uh, on the Ethereum main chain is where disputes are settled. So it's not the operator of the plasma con- uh, of the plasma chain settling this, the dispute. It's the contract programmatically settling this dispute on the main chain. Does that answer your question?
1: Oh, I guess I- I'm curious if there's any way to game that.
2: I'm sure like on a code level there might be some way to game it as the operator. There's no way to game it because the operator doesn't custody the coins. I mean, I don't want to say like no way ever because nothing is ever really no way ever.
1: Right, As you guys don't anticipate it. Um, You're
2: gaming gaming the contract on the Ethereum chain. You're not gaming the plasma chain.
1: Hmm. Okay. I see. Um, And, and I guess from your work, like starting in January until now, what have been um, key insights, like unobvious things uh, that you guys have discovered as you've been, um, you know, doubling down on plasma R and
2: D. Um, key insights. Yeah, I guess the generalized um, plasma framework has been has been our main key insight. Um, it vastly improves usability for users and operators and dramatically improve security generally for plasma chains. Um, Because as I said earlier, like migrating all of your users from one contract to another contract is pretty insecure. Like, uh, you know, like a variety of security vulnerabilities can be introduced in that process. Um, Furthermore, it would be great to be able to upgrade your contract code without having to migrate your users every single time um it's also you know an added piece of dopeness um, is that you can you can use you can compose other types of contracts which we're calling predicate contracts to use with the plasma contract so when you exit from a plasma chain you can also exit into for example a gitcoin contract and this gitcoin contract will say okay Jing is trying to exit five ETH for some amount of work done. Uh, the Gitcoin contract will evaluate if I've actually done that work um, and to pay me out based on those conditions. So it just introduces um, a greater a greater level of complexity for the conditions upon uh, paying others.
1: Uh, what other usability wins have you guys had? Usability lanes wins. So what other things <laughs> you guys made on the usability side? That is a common criticism in the crypto space in general. Um, UX is horrible. It's n- no surprise. But outside of, you know, reduction of time and, and I, I suppose, uh, you know, cheaper transaction fees to be able to use Plasma, is there anything on the UX front that you guys have come across that you guys have imp- or are planning to implement or change or is generalized Plasma the, the big thing? I
2: think that one big thing that's lacking in crypto generally is developer tooling, Um, clear and easy to understand documentation. Uh, And that is one of our main focuses, um, is to not only provide uh, an implementation of Plasma, but also make it as easy as possible for people to securely use, deploy and transact on Plasma chains. Um, So I guess uh, tooling is the big one there.
1: Um, What are some of the, like, Plasma-specific dev tooling available now for people who want to contribute?
2: Um, I have a link. If you go to github.com, Plasma-group, there's um, a bunch of different repos. Um, You can look at Plasma-docs for our documentation. Um, You can go into any of our repositories and see a whole host of issues that you can contribute to.
1: Yeah, and we we talking about usability uh on the plasma front. And you made the note that you know dev tooling in general in this space is lacking. um Is there anything from a usability perspective uh for the Ethereum community um you, you want to see happen? <laughs> but
2: you ask them the hard questions <laughs> um, I mean, I think scalability is a huge usability problem, right. <laughs> Yeah. Um,
1: and and these are and to be sure, these are more around uh the like for developers. But I guess for a user, I know one complaint like when I see is like, oh really I have to download MetaMask again and have funds already on there again. Um, things like that, I think, add points of friction where you know, you see what was the figure last time I checked around eighty percent of drop off when users are required to download MetaMask.
2: Yeah, you know, um one step at a time. I think one really dope thing about Plasma is that you can send people Plasma transactions without ever touching the Ethereum main chain. So onboarding users, new users is quite simple. If you were a game developer issuing ERC-721 assets for some, like, you know, Suna token daily treasure hunt game, mm-hmm. um, none of your users have to use MetaMask. They don't have to transact on the Ethereum main chain.
1: So how would a user access Plasma? Or how, how, how does the average user... So
2: uh, at burner.plasma.group, you can take a look at um, our, you know, prototype implementation of a Plasma Burner wallet running on our testnet currently. Um, and you just use that wallet to transact. Um, the, I think additional, you know, usability guarantees are more of a design question uh, at that point. But um, you don't have to use MetaMask. That's, yeah,
1: That's <laughs> in it of itself, a big usability improvement. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I, use MetaMask. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind. it. I did have one other question regarding scaling solutions. Um, outside of Plasma, I mean, there's sharding, there's Raiden, and I'm curious, one, why there are so many different types of scaling solutions what's the difference between them and how do you see plasma position versus sharding versus rata and do you think these are all going to be used in
2: parallel let's start here so all of those uh scaling solutions are different categories of scaling solutions at plasma group we want to use blockchains efficiently and we only want to post transactions to the blockchain when necessary um eth 2.0 and sharding and projects like Definity or Polkadot They scale the base layer and the total amount of computation possible. However, what plasma and a lot of layer two does is uh, it doesn't scale the amount of computation possible, but it makes the usage of computation more efficient. And these techniques for efficient usage of computation um, include plasma and state channels. the dope part about the generalized plasma framework is that it allows a lot of different layer two solutions to interoperate um so you can use state channels on plasma you can create paint channels on plasma um when we realized this uh we used um we used our time at east denver uh instead of building you know plasma flappy bird flappy Plap. Um, we decided to instead implement uh, and open lightning channel, Bitcoin lightning channel contracts inside of our Plasma contract. What's Flappy um,
1: Bird Flappy Flap for our listeners?
2: There's a, there's a really popular game called Flappy Bird. Mm. And um, it's kind of an unfortunate name, but we're calling applications on Plasma plaps. And um, we thought it would be really cute to create um, a game that issued ERC-721s on Plasma um, with an open source implementation of Flappy Bird and we were gonna be cheeky and cute and call it Flappy Plap. But then we realized that like this generalized Plasma shit was way dover, Um and we wanted to demonstrate how extensible and powerful and interoperable this framework really was.
1: I see. So when you talk about the interoperability, are you saying that sharding and Raiden are going to be used with Plasma?
2: Yes, they're definitely complementary. Um, I don't know much about like the details of how Raiden itself is implemented, but um, we've been talking to some other projects about building state channels on Plasma. If Raiden uses the same uh, transaction format that other generalized Plasma implementations use, then they can certainly imp- interoperate with Plasma. Uh,
1: do you guys have is there a communication line between you guys, people working on Raiden, people working on Sharding, or are these uh, building out in, in silos?
2: we have um communication lines with some other state channel uh implementation shop project whatever you call it teams there you go we don't i don't i don't think i know anyone at Raiden. but i should probably talk to them <laughs> that's a great point
1: yeah no but it seems like there are those seem to be the, the big three scaling solutions is there anything else people are working on um to push ethereum scaling forward
2: yeah, so I would say, um, yeah, some of the other big ones include L4, which is also developing state channels. Um, Kyokin is done, doing a ton of great work, uh, not only with Layer Two, but also with ETH 2.0. Um, you know, Spank Chain legitimately is also doing a great job with implementing, actually implementing Layer Two solutions for their payments.
1: Is Spank Chain isn't? Are they creating a scaling to, uh, scaling solution for? for ethereum or do you mean just within like the spank chain
2: or no, just like using payment channels on spank chain
1: ah okay and and so they are using using plasma or are they just mm-hmm. opening up separate
2: um they're using like payment channels generally mm-hmm. um plasma is not channels but channels can be built on plasma however these are relatively recent developments so we have not built them out yet but that is you know one of the things on our to-do list
1: um and for, like for the investors that are listening to our podcast, do you, I, I'm assuming you don't see any like investable opportunities on Plasma, but I'm assuming there'll be like third parties or probably um, uh, matching users if they want to um, open channels or, or what do you see, what projects do you see being built on top of Plasma or providing services that Plasma itself natively cannot provide?
2: So I imagine there will be a lot of decentralized exchanges on Plasma, non-custodial decentralized exchanges. Mm -hmm. And in this model, the operator would be making fees. Uh, I imagine there would be a lot of game asset exchanges or creators on Plasma, um, just like seamless payments generally. Um, And I think that... uh, you know, for investors who want to see the value of Ethereum rise or want to see decentralized finance come to fruition. um, Scaling is an incredibly important thing to pay attention to. And yes, the ETH 2.0 spec is complicated and it seems far away, but Plasma scales on Ethereum as it exists today. Mm. And I think there's definitely like a tragedy of the commons problem with funding public goods infrastructure. You know, you're investing in the crypto space. This isn't like normal Silicon Valley. So fuck traditional models of investment. And I hope that these brainy investors, you know, put their brains to good use and start brainstorming about some ways to sustainably fund this infrastructure that they will profit off of.
1: Right. Especially if you're an investor in Ethereum, um, you know, investing in these scaling solutions arguably uh, for some like leverages that position for you. Um, I... I'm curious, like, how does Plasma get its funding today?
2: Um, I go out and I beg people for money. <laughs> um, so our super gracious and generous donors thus far have been Omise Go, um, a bunch of independent angels and investors who want to see Ethereum scale, um, Linktime, ConsenSys, Gitcoin, and Status.
1: Oh, good Um, a good roundup of a, I think very disparate group, but it seems like it's primarily being um, bootstrapped or like through grants and donations Um, stepping outside of plasma and looking at the Ethereum space um, at a whole, um, in the past, like, you always you seem to always know like the cool Ethereum projects coming out before they're announced. Um, I remember uh, you like discussing Uniswap a-, a while back, and I was curious today what are you seeing in the Ethereum space um, that you're like, yeah, this is this passes the Jings bar for uh, dope dope projects in the space.
2: Um, I wouldn't say that I've been paying too much attention to the news. But uh, Dan Robinson just released a paper on the Rainbow Network for DeFi nerds. This is definitely a must read. Um, Uniswap is always, you know, one of my faves. Um,
1: and I what think- is it about uh, Dan Robinson's paper that you find so intriguing? Or why is, why is it important for everybody to check out?
2: It's just a new way to uh, create financial assets um, on Ethereum.
1: Yeah. And Uniswap, and is there anything else that you're seeing these days?
2: Um, I would say more than cool projects. Um, there are just, like, cool teams to look out for. Um, and I think these teams include Kyokin, L4. Um, I think SpangChain is a legitimately dope and technically competent team. Um, I'm sure there are others. They're just not coming to mind currently. Um, I do love Gitcoin. Gitcoin is dope. Um, I think they're experimenting with a lot of rad new stuff. Um, and it's it's nice to see crypto projects actually experiment with new crypto economic mechanisms.
1: Um, Our financial, and this is getting into our next question a little bit, but is DeFi the uh, biggest Ethereum narrative you're buying into? Or what do you see, where do you see the most value um, in Ethereum being generated? Like obviously you're working on a scaling solution. A scaling solution for what? What do you want to see built on Ethereum?
2: Um, I mean, there are are a lot of things I want to see built on Ethereum. I want Ethereum to become like the new global financial infrastructure. But if if it's going to get anywhere close to that, you have to solve scaling first. And uh, so that's mainly what I'm focused on. I think DeFi is really dope. I'm not an expert in finance, but... um, I would love to see what happens when we allow for experimentation with governance, with new financial assets, um, with new mechanisms, but definitely like plasma is top of mind for me right now. Um, my team and I are laser focused on creating new plasma research, creating a secure production implementation of plasma. And, you know, for the people who are sitting on big Ethereum bags out there, um, we've only been around for three months and we've put out a ton of amazing code and documentation and tooling and research. So, you know, if you're trying to see Ethereum scale, we are very efficient and responsible with the use of our funding and resources. So, hit me up, jing at plasma <laughs> <that> Group,
1: <laughs> Let me know. Shameless <laughs> plug there, I like it. Um, if you, Jing, if you aren't working on Plasma today, what what would you be working on?
2: It's such a hard question to answer because the crypto space changes so quickly day to day.
1: <laughs> no, I wake up every day to a new Ethereum narrative. So, you know, one day it was NFTs, the other day it was DeFi. Uh, I still don't know if ICOs are going to eat VC. That's, you know, yet to, yet to be seen. Um, do you hear that? Uh, there's this one uh, law where it's pretty much we... Uh, overestimate technology in the short run, but underestimate it in the long term, which is why bubbles happen. So we get incredibly excited. We think it's going to change the world. And it obviously collapses when we don't see the tech match the expectation. But then over a long enough time horizon, it does get there. It just didn't happen as quickly as we expected it to. Um, So I think there's still plenty of narratives alive and well they just didn't prove themselves within the one month time span that the crypto community gave them. And so one, right? And we keep targeting something until it sticks. Um, so, so so understanding that, like, what are like potential things that you'd be working on today if you weren't working on Plasma?
2: You know, just to like jump on the bandwagon with everyone else, I do think DeFi is legitimately dope. Um, the first startup I ever built was for uh, trade finance. I think it would be great to... Like, you know, millennials don't really have um, an amazing track record with managing their own finances. Um, Traditional financial instruments also don't have an amazing track record of being easily investable or understandable. Um, Things generally have been quite opaque. And I think that there's definitely a new narrative to be pushed forward by creating these assets on Ethereum, uh, decentralized finance allowing for greater accessibility um, greater transparency, um, it would be really dope if I could build something that helps people in my generation be more responsible with uh, the financial tools they have.
1: Um, Jing, thank you so much. I think this gave a really good overview of Plasma and like the Ethereum landscape as a whole right now. Um, the last note I wanted to end on was um, I recently asked you what you were reading and you would mentioned to check out uh, the cathedral and the bazaar because there were good takeaways that apply for the crypto space as a whole. And I was wondering if you could um, give us a few insights or why you think it's important for people that are working within the blockchain space to read the cathedral. Yeah, and the so
2: similarly to blockchains, um, open source economies or communities are gift economies and people aren't being paid they're doing this out of not just love but um they're incentivized by other things that aren't financial like uh social shine or whatever um so i think understanding how social shine motivates people and galvanizes communities um how forks within open source projects have historically played out on a social political and financial level um, this book talks about a lot of that. and there there are financial incentives in crypto, but um, not in the same capitalistic way you see in the normal world, not that crypto is not the normal world. Um, but this is definitely a critical part of history of you know open source communities. And it talks about how to create communities, how to sustain them, um, and how to build long-lasting, competent, strong projects.
1: Absolutely. I I think the the trap a lot of people fall into when they're trying to figure out how to think about this space is they'll look at, um, you know, internet literature or financial literature, but I think specifically doubling down on open source and community building and working from there might be the fundamental that people are missing when they're trying to think about, this as more of an economic problem than more of a community or, or open source type of paradigm to work from. Anyway, this has been incredibly insightful. Thank you so much, Jing, for joining us today. I appreciate you and your work with Plasma. And um, if people want to get involved with Plasma, what's the best way for them to reach out?
2: Um, you can find us on Plasma underscore group on Twitter, uh, where you can find a link to our Telegram group, or you can go to our website, Plasma um, for any direct inquiries or if you trying to fund you know the future of ethereum scaling you can hit me up directly at jing at plasma.group
0: thank you so much hey everyone suna here if you liked this episode of the token daily and want to help us take crypto to the top of apple spotify and other podcast charts then please do us a favor and rate review and smash that subscribe button To leave a review, simply go to the Token Daily homepage and scroll down until you see five blank stars. Taking a few seconds to fill those stars in and leaving a quick review goes a long way in helping us take the entire crypto ecosystem to the top of the charts. Thanks again for choosing to listen to the Token Daily. I'll see you next time.